Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Thursday, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from String Sports Brewery. Try to get a little different angle going here, guys. And we've been here every Thursday. I'm like, come and try to try to give you a little something different. And so, uh, well, we're trying. You got a baseball scoreboard in the background. You got a tree in the background. You got the outside part of String Sports Brewery, and hopefully the people in the background don't mind or pick their nose. Uh, I won't tell them. If you won't tell them, Brett Martino here, Austin Lane, Action Sports Shack Studios, along with Casey Kurtz. What's happening on the Thursday, fellas? Not too much, man. Same all over here. Business as usual. Casey, doing all right? Can't complain. Can't complain. There you go. <laughs> he should be good. I last check, I think I saw uh, his guy Gooch in the lead in the golf. Casey, is this true? You, you got doing all right? Sorry, are you busy? My bad. Uh, yeah, unconfirmed. I'm trying to have Brent so you can see the people picking his nose, but I haven't seen him yet, so we're working on that. But we'll get you. Uh, we'll get you that shot in a second. Oh, okay. It's one of those things. It's not routed yet. I see. I see. Uh, so he's working hard. He doesn't want to talk. You know, you try to include the guy in the show, and he doesn't want any part of it. I mean, what are we going to do? Uh, all right, moving on. Forget about Gooch. Forget about his top uh, golf pick. And uh, I hope the guy has to uh, now go shoot double bogeys every hole. There you go, man. I mean, I hope so, too, but that's more of just the, the, the competitor in me more than anything. Yeah, true. I was kind of hoping for that anyhow. Um, you just heard the Sports Center update, by the way. Cam Newton, uh, the big story. He's back in the NFL. Um, should I get on my, like, uh, the, like Blake Bortles soapbox here? Uh, Cam Newton, Blake Bortles, Josh Johnson, Joe Flacco, um, Trevor Simeon, uh, P.J. Walker, uh, you name it. Who do you want? Pick him out of a hat. Uh, now we get to see if Cam Newton's got anything left. He's back in Carolina. Yeah, you know, and, and he's making starting quarterback type of money. Um, you know, I'm taking a look at the deal right now. So a one-year deal, as much as $10 million, 4.5 guaranteed, 1.5 million roster bonus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of an awkward situation because, you know, that regime, that staff, you know, didn't want to bring him back. And now they do bring him back. So yeah, weird. obviously he's excited for the opportunity, I'm sure. Um, obviously the, the team is desperate because Sam Darnold now, you know, has the, it's not a fully broken shoulder, but a half or whatever they call it, a half fracture on his shoulder. So they're super desperate. I mean, hey, I, I guess you want to bring a guy that's familiar with the organization, not so much with the playbook per se, but familiar with the organization. Seems like a lot of money for Cam Newton. Uh, I mean, what's he done lately? What's Cam Newton done lately? Not much. Couldn't hang in uh, New England. Obviously, for whatever reason, whether it's vaccination or other things, uh, I mean, you can come up with your own. Uh, maybe he didn't like the backup role. He wasn't going to fit there with Mac Jones. Listen, the Patriots made the right cho choice. They went to the rookie, and Mac Jones has played pretty well for them, and they're 5-4. and four. Uh, Carolina is... is this is one Cam Newton, how much should he get and how much uh, does he have left? And he's young enough to have stuff left, but there's a Cam Newton that feels old, you know, because uh, his body's been beat up. Now, maybe over the last few months, uh, you get a little healthier and you get a little rest, and now you're only going to go through half the season. Maybe that helps him out. Um, you know, it's not a lot of money by NFL standards, but it seems like $4.5 guaranteed, fully guaranteed, and uh, shows a little bit of the desperation of the Carolina Panthers. My guess is they didn't want to go this route. They didn't believe in them a couple years ago, and uh, 
I don't think they wanted to do this, but this was their best option, right? I mean, there's just they didn't feel like there was another good option out there at the quarterback spot to give them a chance to succeed. And the clock is starting to tick a little bit on Carolina, Austin. I mean, Matt Rule's been there a bit and hasn't been able to figure out this quarterback situation. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, you know, they kind of put all their eggs in the Sam Darnold basket instead of maybe addressing it in the draft, trading up per se. One would think that they're probably going to address it this up-and-coming draft. Not really sure who the standout quarterback is going to be quite yet. They still haven't made themselves known. But I guess when you got guys, you know, I mean, you had P.J. Walker um, as kind of that backup. Um, you know, th this is a team that's desperate for winning. You know, this isn't a team that's going to try to tank now and get the best quarterback available, um, as some teams have done in the past. This is a team that, with Matt Rule, I think he still has to kind of earn his stripes a little bit. Um, this is a team from, the, you know, the, the offensive coordinator position and Joe Brady, who still kind of has to cement a name for himself a little bit. Got off to a pretty good start. But now, you know, in terms of being the next head coach of a different team, those talks have gone away. So to me, the Carolina Panthers right now, there's still a team with a lot to prove. And you got Christian McCaffrey coming back, who's been that workhorse for you. So you got to try to go out there and win some games. I'm trying to look. Uh, let's see the draft picks of the 2021 Carolina Panthers. They picked number eight. And so they picked J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. They could have had Justin Fields. They could have had Mac Jones. And they said, hey, Sam Darnold, and, and that's the route they went in the offseason and made the move for him. But they still could have got a backup plan instead of P.J. Walker and invested in the QB position. That's a miscalculation on their part twofold, right? One, to get Darnold in there when, and think that he had something going, and it looked that way for a couple of weeks. But remember now, two of their first three wins were against, like, not great competition. Uh, I think they beat the Saints in that stretch, and that was pretty good. And then they really miscalculated again by, by saying, hey, we, we're going to pass on two really good quarterbacks potentially, and we're going to go uh, defense. I mean, see, I think that, listen, we've criticized the Jags over the years. We've seen this up close. We've seen this right front and center. And the Jags misfired on a lot of different things, from Mahomes to Watson to Fournette situation uh, to trying to get Bortles and, and that not working to getting Gabbert, and uh, that didn't work. So, I mean, listen. We know what works and doesn't work, but we also know when you make, make a big mistake. And, and, well, the Carolina Panthers might have made a big mistake at the QB position twice in, like, the same month, Austin, or at least over, like, a six-week stretch by getting Sam Darnold and thinking that was the answer and then by not buying an insurance policy and supporting um, uh, just in case that they, they would fail in that regard and getting a young quarterback. Yeah, and, but and so that's a big mistake. No, I mean, it's uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's definitely a big mistake now. I think at the time, I mean, considering you gave up the sixth-round pick and the second-round pick and a fourth-round pick for Sam Darnold, I mean, you were kind of all in on Sam Darnold. So to say we're trading for Sam Darnold, but we're also going to get a guy like Mac Jones or Justin Fields, yeah, at the time uh, maybe it didn't sound so appetizing because you essentially said we're all in on Sam Darnold. This has to work, and now you have no backup plan. It looks bad now. But at the time, I mean, I, I don't blame Matt Rule for saying, hey, Sam Donald's our guy. We invested in him. Now let's give him some guys and build around him, guys like, you know, Terrace Marshall Jr., um, you know, Brady Christensen. Yeah, uh, again, I get that they did it, but the reality is they they look like they failed well, on course, two fronts. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, hindsight's they, 20 -20. Yeah. Well, I know hindsight's 20-20, but we don't give – yeah, I mean, we – 
we ripped the Jags for the last 10 years on hindsight. We ripped Chicago for doing the same thing. Matt Rule has been there a few years and can't figure out the quarterback situation. I guess that's the point. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, Chicago is is very much like this, right? I mean, they, they go make all the big moves up to Trubisky, okay, fail. Like, again, I applaud teams for going up in the draft and getting their guy and thinking they have their guy. I applaud the Jags for going to get Gabbert and getting Bortles. The problem is they got their wrong guy. Like, they weren't right in their judgment. Same with Chicago on Trubisky. And then, you know, they go get Foles, and they trade for Foles, and that doesn't manifest itself at all, and they can't even get rid of him after that. And and then they go get Fields, and now it looks like Fields is going to work. But even in the in the early part of the season, they should have gone with Fields probably right off the jump, most likely. And, and they didn't. Uh, oh, Andy Dalton thrown in the mix for $10 million. So it's like... These teams are not only missing once, is my point. They're missing multiple times on the quarterback spot, much like the Jags, from Bortles to Foles uh, and, and beyond. Now, Minshew's not a miss because they actually got pretty good play out of a guy for a six-round pick that they never anticipated would do that, uh, and now they're hoping to hit on Trevor Lawrence. Like Maybe Chicago finally lands on Justin Fields. The problem is for Carolina, who are they finally landing on? And right now they're landing in a desperation mode to go pay $10 million potentially to a guy that I'm not sure many people want and uh, might be washed up. No, for sure. It was just it was a classic case of you you believed in your free agent signing or you know your your guy in Sam Darnold. You essentially tailored the draft to try to help him out, um, and it didn't work. And and, and now you're left without a backup quarterback. So, yeah, I mean you have to address it this year in the draft some way somehow. I think that the 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 game of trying to go after a free agent guy is over. You have to invest in a young guy. It just depends how patient now this organization is going to be with uh, Matt Rule. Yeah, and, and they signed him to a long deal, right, Matt Rule? I think that was part of the reason they got him from Baylor. I remember that conversation, whether it's like seven years or eight years even. It was a long deal. And and so he's got time, and they're not going to get out from underneath that. It's just certainly not a good start in that regard. He's shown some things. Uh, they've had moments. They look like they're on the right path, and then the quarterback seems to uh, derail that path. And also they have an oft-injured star player in, in McCaffrey. And uh, kind of very similar to, to the New York Giants, where they, that, that guy's a good player. Saquon Barkley's a really good player. Uh, McCaffrey's a very good player. Well, but when you're not available and you can't rely on them being available, it's really hard to build a football team and be successful. But also, let's let's keep in mind, this is Matt Rule's second year, right? So it's not like, I mean, let, let's calm down a little bit, right? Because didn't he start last, 2020? It was his first it was, year. Uh, I could have swore. Wasn't last year his first year? Or am I crazy? I might be crazy. Might I, be think, crazy. I think you're right. Yeah, well, last year was his first year. Yeah. Because yeah, Cam, so, and, Cam and yeah, R- yeah. Ron Rivera left at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is his second year in the NFL. Um, obviously, you know, maybe not exceeding expectations, but I think right now the, the, the leash on Matt Rule deserves to be a little longer than what we're talking, at least what I think we're talking about. Yeah, well, no, and I'm not saying they need to fire him. I'm saying he's off to a really rough start and getting behind the eight ball on all this stuff because of his poor move and their poor moves as an organization at the QB position. It really sets you back. Because now you look, if I'm a Carolina Panther fan, now I look ahead and I'm like, okay, um, this draft coming up, hopefully we find our guy, but it doesn't look like, wow, there's a bunch of guys. And where are we picking? And how are we getting that next quarterback? Or are we just going to ride with Darnold until um, until the wheels completely fall off? And, and that might be what they have to do based on the situation in the draft or what else becomes available. But I think... 
again, we, we've seen this with other teams, not just the Jags, but now you're chasing your tail on that, and you're stuck in a certain spot. So quite frankly, Matt Rule might get to year four before he really finds, like, a franchise quarterback that he hoped he found in, like, year two. And uh, it's one thing to not have it last year, I think, with this current situation where they passed on two guys that could have landed right in Carolina's lap. Because wasn't it, everybody around the draft time was pretty surprised that Carolina didn't go quarterback, if I remember correctly, um, or at least surprised when they got Sam Darnold and said, okay, we're not going to go one of these quarterbacks. But let me ask you this. If they would have gotten Justin Fields or if they would have gotten Mac Jones, is the record better than four and five right now this year? Uh, I don't know. Probably, I would say probably not. Uh, but the future's better. You, yeah, you, sure. You've, but you've, you've got that spot figured out potentially. You know, and there's no potentially for I mean, sure answer. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I would just say I'd feel much better going forward if I'm a Panther fan and someone in that organization and Matt Rule if I have Justin Fields or Mac Jones rather than I have uh, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, and now Cam Newton coming in off the street. Okay, trade for Jimmy G. Now uh, well, and, and so maybe that, you're right, uh, maybe that's a possibility there uh, for them uh, because is there anybody else that's going to be available? I mean, not, not, uh, excluding like guys like Nick Foles and Joe Flacco, uh, is there anybody like that? Like seriously, I mean, Garoppolo has got things done, can play. I'm not sure. He's never going to be an elite quarterback. I think he's kind of, we figured that out. But he can play the game, and I think you can win games with him. Although even Shanahan and the 49ers have had a hard time doing that. Uh, but is there anybody else that would come to mind for this offseason? Um, I mean, for it, them? it, it kind of depends what happens with Deshaun Watson. You know, if it's oh, yeah, somehow Watson. Philly yeah, um, gets Deshaun Watson, then Jalen Hurts becomes available. Tua Tungabiola possibly becomes available. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Tyrod. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. That, Drew Locke. But Casey, for the sake of the conversation, I mean, you're, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, those kind of guys make a lot more, like, are better points of the conversation than Tyrod Taylor, even Daniel Jones, because they just did the Daniel Jones thing, potentially. Like, if the, if the Giants don't stay with them, they just kind of did that with Sam Darnold. So, uh, Watson is one I forgot about. I mean, and they were rumored to be in, whether that was real or not. Uh, maybe that's somebody that they can kind of save that position by going to do it. Now, they did trade away at some stuff they didn't trade away everything uh, to go get uh, Sam Darnold but I wonder if that they'll be a little apprehensive about doing that and taking on dollars in the like a Jimmy Garoppolo front but to you, to, you answer my question there are options for them uh, they just got to pick the right option and get it done uh, to be able to uh, figure it out the other story you heard in the Sports Center update and then we'll get to the Jags and, and some other things but uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. taking his time some people suspect that he's taking his time because there's less interest than Maybe is is being reported. Mm -hmm. uh, why would he be taking his time? Um, is, is do you think that's it? Because I don't know if that's what I buy. But I'm kind of also saying, all right, well, if that's not it, then why is he taking his time? <laughs> I mean, I, I would say it's the same reason why he mentioned the Saints in terms of a team that he's interested, and in. he's trying to get you know the the most value. Um, he's trying to strike up you know the the want, if you will, and I just think he's trying to take the best offer possible. So it sounds like Odell Beckham's going to wait through the weekend mm -hmm. and then pick, which, you know, listen, I, if Odell Beckham take away all the other stuff that happened, I'm not sure it's, I think it's a pretty smart play on his part. Let me, let me think through some of this. Let me not make an emotional decision. If Aaron Rodgers is calling him, let me just not say, okay, yeah, right away. Let me, let me think through this through and see where, what fits. 
Um, let me wait one more week and see who gets another win. <laughs> if you want to be part of a contender, like it, it might not be the worst thing. Let me take a look at the study these offenses a little bit, see where I might fit in. I mean, maybe taking a few extra days in this situation is a smart move for whatever the reason uh, by Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, but what, what do you need to study right now if you're Odell Beckham Jr.? You know, you know that you have Aaron Rodgers as probably one of the best quarterbacks still in the league right now. And you know that Aaron Rodgers can win without Devontae Adams, without Robert Tunyon, against maybe at the time one of the best teams in the NFL in the Arizona Cardinals. You know that you're going to have Trevor Simeon throwing you the ball if you're in New Orleans. And you know right now Patrick Mahomes isn't the same Patrick Mahomes that we're accustomed to. And there seems to be some types of miscommunications going on in the field in Kansas City. Like... I don't think you need, you need to wait an extra week to figure that stuff out. You can just watch a couple of games and figure that out. Yeah, I think, by the way, the way this played out from last Tuesday, he could have been figuring that out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday until he hit waivers, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had plenty of time already, to your point. So I wonder if it brings in, uh, I think there was another report. I think Rossini reported like three teams that he's interested in. But then I think there was another report from ESPN that said like eight other teams or maybe it's eight total teams are still looking into it and, and interested, uh, whether Odell's in, interested or not, and that included Seattle and even New England, you know? So uh, it, it's pretty wild to see where he ends up. Again, I'm more interested to see what kind of impact he makes, uh, but I, I wonder what he's waiting on and if, man, I'll tell you what, if there are a few teams interested, if we find out that, let's say, he goes to Green Bay, but there are very few teams interested in Odell Beckham Jr., I really must say something about the tape, Austin, or the or the stories they hear in, in Cleveland, one of the two. No, I mean, I think it could definitely say a little bit about both. Um, you know, once again, we don't know, like, what they're asking for in terms of a contract because, like, he – it's his – it's his kind of show now. It's up to him and his agent, like, how they want to structure things. So maybe they're asking too much. Maybe they, they have a higher opinion on themselves than what they really should have right now. I have no idea. Did you see Josh Allen got slimed, Nickelodeon slime? Yeah, man. How about that? Good for him. Yeah, good week for uh, Josh Allen, uh, ASC Defensive Player of the Week, Nickelodeon uh, slime victim. <laughs> yep. MVP, <laughs> yes. right? Uh, yeah, MVP, baby. Uh, so that happened today as the Jaguars get ready to take on the Indianapolis Colts. How good is Indy? Uh, are they about to threaten Tennessee and the rest of the AFC? Or are they really just an okay team that should be better? Because it looks like they have a pretty good roster and have some good parts. Uh, we will uh, discuss that when we come back. We're live Here, at String Sports. What's up? Here's a fun question for you guys real quick. Who was the MVP last year for Nickelodeon? Don't they do week it every eight. Oh, week no, eight. They do it every single week. It can be offense or defense. And you're saying last week or last year? Week eight. Right. Last week. Uh, we talked about it a lot in the show, Casey. You you may be a diehard of this guy. Diehard? Uh, Casey's mentioned him. I mean, we both have mentioned him a couple of times. So Casey's a really big fan. I'm a, I'm a fan, too. I respect the hustle. Is this somebody random? Yep. Well, kind of. He, he earned it, but it's definitely random. Ah, Mike Man, White. Nope. Oh, Mike White. Mike White of the New York Jets was your MVP of week eight. What That's week cool. are we on? Uh, they're counting it as week nine. But we're going I into guess. week ten right now. But, yeah, so they just handed out the week uh, nine. Of course. So yeah, that threw me off because week. the Jets' last game was not Mike White. 
Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Because it was sure. Thursday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was last Thursday, yeah. yeah. We will pick the Thursday game, by the way. We have that uh, coming up a little bit later on. We talk a little surfing. Yeah, we go different surfing right into hockey at one point in this show. FSU report coming up as well. Uh, but let's talk Jags football when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Live from String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. Jaguars All Access coming up tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. <laughs> With Tennessee, it's just basically zone left, zone right, and they're telling you what they're doing. Th th these guys are, I mean, I mean, Taylor's is, is, is again, he's the, he's a great back. Uh, 21, flying around. They get comp Max, a great back. I mean, they're all they're all really good backs. He's been a pro bowler. So, I mean, I mean Taylor's a guy that can take it to the house on any snap. And uh, and he's a powerful back. So, we got a gang tackle. we got to get a lot of hats on the ball. And, you know, they're similar in some ways, but Tennessee's more of a stretch right, stretch left, lead right, lead left. And uh, these guys are a little bit more downhill, double teams. That is Joe Cullen, who did a fantastic job. Uh, last week against the Buffalo Bills, but now he's got a whole different set of problems <laughs> against Indianapolis. Uh, it is quite a disparity between the two teams, uh, the Bills and what they try to do and what Indianapolis will try to do. And Jonathan Taylor, right now, right now, I mean, shoot, man, with Derrick Henry out, you make the case he's the uh, best back in the league? Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a case for it for sure. I mean, I still think Alvin Kamara's up there when he's healthy, but, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's having a heck of a year. I mean, Chubb has been super productive as well when he's healthy, but like you just said, when he's healthy, right? Kamara, when he's healthy. Yeah. Uh, Saquon Barkley, when he's healthy. McCaffrey, when he's healthy. James Robinson, when he's healthy. <laughs> I mean, Derek Henry, when he's healthy. <laughs> There's a lot of backs injured right now. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, and, and by the way, by sheer numbers, Jonathan Taylor and one of the most important running back stats there really is, mm -hmm. at, at least from what an individual can do, uh, you can't you can't uh, control how much they give you the football. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor, 5.9 yards per carry after his big game last week. 5.9 yards a carry. Yeah, I mean next to you know Derrick Henry, he's he's you know leading the NFL in rushing right now. So yeah, it goes to show you just. How, uh, how great this guy is doing. And it's surprising, too, because a lot of experts thought that, you know, they still have Marlon Mack. They have Naeem Hines. So, you know, people thought that maybe it's going to eat into his usage a little bit just because they have guys that can do everything as well. But Jonathan Taylor's really cemented himself now as a three-down back. And there are some questions of that if him in the receiving game, but he's doing just fine with that as well. Yeah, I mean, and, and like Derrick Henry, obviously, is the best back in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He's proven that. But he does it differently because, like, again, if you look at that key stat of, of yards per carry, Derek's like 4.3, but Derek gets the ball so much. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, like, the amount of carries versus everybody else in the NFL. So, like, if you gave that many carries to James Robinson, who's also, like, over five yards a pop, or if you gave that many to Jonathan Taylor, my guess is their yards per carry is going to go way down. But there's been a nice mix of Jonathan Taylor running the football, ability to catch the football a little bit, Wentz using Pittman, and that's opened up some things down the field. Mm -hmm. So uh, now everything's popping right now for the Indianapolis Colts, it looks like. And again, it did it against a very poor uh, Jets team and a really poor outing by a Jets defense that sometimes has looked a lot better than that. But, I mean, I don't know if I've watched an NFL game than that I saw just like a push from an offensive line looks so dominating. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can see it in the trenches sometimes, like, hey, they're getting, they're moving the pile. But 
this thing was like three of their offensive linemen on last Thursday night were, were some seven, eight, ten yards down the field, Austin. <laughs> yeah. These guys still running behind them. It's like Joe Collin was saying here. You know, some offensive lines that they're trying to get you east to west don't necessarily push you back, but just kind of, you know, f force a hole going east to west. And some offensive lines, it's their goal to try to push you back um, and establish a new line of scrimmage. And that's what the Colts can do. You know, I mean, they had some injuries to start things off now uh, in the beginning of the season, but now they're getting healthy. And when they're healthy, you know, they, they've always been considered one of the best offensive lines in the NFL the past couple of years. So it's definitely, it's a team that you got to bring your hard hat, your lunch pail, all those great cliches and everything. But you also have to be aware of the change of direction and the trickery because, you know, Reich is, is a guy who he, he, he likes to take his shots here and there as well. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. We're live at String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. You know, you talk about this defense and, and the game plan. How different will it be? What what do you like what will be noticeably different about this game plan versus what they did last week now that the running game is a threat? And I guess on top of that, Austin, I would say to me, this is the game, along with Tennessee, of why you you consistently pounded all offseason we got to stop the run stop the run stop the run stop the run and this is a football team that even if your weakness is in the passing game which it has been all year and other teams have said you know we're not going to pass against this team because we can throw it all day and all over the yard this is one of those times where they're still going to give the ball to jonathan taylor so you know they are going to run the ball so i i think this could be a signature type of run stopping game for the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, are they really that good at it? Can they do it when they need to do it? Uh, they did an okay job against Derrick Henry a couple weeks back until the fourth quarter where it got a little leaky. So I think this is a, a big testament to their run defense coming up, but also what, how different will this look in terms of their game plan and what they try to do? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely be more emphasis on stopping the run than you saw against Buffalo. Not to say that wasn't emphasis, but you kind of knew what Buffalo was going to try to do. Um, I think the goal this week has to be establish a dominant defensive line stopping the run and then force Carson Wentz to beat you. Now, in the past, Carson Wentz has shown the capabilities that he can be a good quarterback, and he has shown the capabilities of making mistakes as well. Um, I think in terms of your pass rush, it's going to be a little harder getting home than it was last week against the Buffalo Bills, who are bringing guys back who definitely weren't on the same page. But like you said, Jonathan Taylor is going to get his touches. This this offense goes through Jonathan Taylor, um, and, and it goes really through the, that running game in general and with those guys in the backfield. So you got to take care of that first, and then you know keep them in second, third, and longs, and that way it makes things a little easier on you. They, they do have explosive firepower, you know, whether it's Pascal, uh, whether it's Pittman, if T.Y. Hilton comes back, you know, their their tight ends are okay. Guys like Moali Cox, uh, I think they still have Doyle as well. But what I'm really watching for is a guy like Naeem Hines, who, you know, I think both Urban Meyer and now Joe Cohen have brought up. Haven't mentioned him by name, but they both brought him up, the other running back, and saying, you got to know where that guy is. Because, you know, if you look at the box score sometimes, yeah, maybe he's got two rushes here, maybe two receptions. But then he has those games where he has two touchdowns, where he just breaks out. Because you can literally put that guy anywhere on the field and get some type of productivity out of him. So you got to know where Naeem Hines is at all times. Yeah, I think you're right uh, about that. That could be an interesting one to watch, especially in the open field. And the Jags, I really feel like the Jags have been a good tackling team this year. Uh, uh, people noted it last week, and, you know, some days it stands out more than others. 
I think they've been pretty good at it. Like, listen, missing tackles part of the game. I don't think they've been, like, poor at that aspect. I, I think they've been pretty good. I think their open field tackling has been pretty good. And so they'll need some of that again against uh, uh, Naheem Hines and, of course, against Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, group tackle, gang tackle type of way. You look at uh, – what the Colts have done, their schedule has been, uh, their losses have been good teams for the most part. Seahawks, mm-hmm. uh, that was the opener, and Seahawks have been an up-and-down team. But the Rams are good. They lost just by a field goal to, to the Rams. They lost to the Titans now twice, which is really bad and painful for them because that could really make a difference in the AFC South. Uh, most recently in overtime when Carson Wentz made some horrific mistakes. They beat the Dolphins, who aren't good. Uh, they lost to the Ravens who in overtime, and everybody loses to the Ravens in overtime, it feels like. Um, the Texans, they, they stomped, and then they basically stomped the Jets uh, as well. Uh, they did beat the 49ers in just that rainy game, and r- even the 49ers are kind of tough to figure out who they are. So I guess what I'm getting at here is I don't really know exactly what the Colts are. They're a 4-5 and five team that I think is probably better than their record. But I also don't know how good they are, Austin. Uh, and this is uh, a Jags team that's played their best football against some of the better teams in the NFL. I think this is a Colts team whose record may deceive you a little bit just because of the injuries, whether it was to Wentz, whether it was to Nelson. I think Fisher was out to start the season as well. So this is a team that's finally starting to get healthy. Once again, we'll see if T.Y. Hilton comes back because when he's on the field, he can be a difference maker as well despite the age. So I think this is a team that has yet to play its best football just because they have not been healthy. Um, I think that if they can play healthy and they can stay healthy, then this is a dangerous team. I, I think this team warrants the hype that maybe you heard uh, right when they got Carson Wentz saying maybe they're a quarterback away from making some noise in the playoffs. I think this team is built like that from their offensive line to their defensive line to the, through the weapons to the play calling. I honestly think they have it all. It's just they got to stay healthy, starts with the quarterback position, and it trickles down, and they have not been able to do that part of it. I just saw a headline as I was looking up some of the, the schedule for the Colts, and, and they had like a little preview for the Jags, and it said uh, something like Colts host the suddenly surging Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? <laughs> really surging? Is that, is that what this is? I mean, they had a bye week. They looked awful against Seattle. But they have won two out of three. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that is a weird headline because I don't know if I feel like the Jags are surging. Yet I say that, and if they were to somehow beat the Colts, now you'd fit that in the category because winning three out of four is surging, especially for this franchise. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the, the direct definition of the term surging, but confident, I mean, yeah. I <laughs> yeah you think can use you, whatever definition you want. <laughs> no, for sure. If you beat one of the best teams in the AFC, you're going to feel confident. You have every right yeah. to be confident. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they are facing a Jaguars team right now that, that is a little surging or is confident just because of the, their last result. Yeah, I mean, they always say you're only as good as your last game. Well, yeah. if, you, if you're going off that basis, the Jaguars right now might be a pretty good team. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess what's hard to figure, and, and listen, the Miami game was was the Miami game. I mean, Miami's just not that good. The Bills game's a totally different thing because the Bills are very good, and everybody knows that. Nobody would say differently. Uh, and so it was just a great performance that was followed by, and again, I, I credit the coaching staff here because, and, and you heard it, Dewan Smoot joined us on Tuesday, and he said, hey, Urban kept saying, hit the reset button, hit the reset button, hit the reset button, right? And so you, you can tell that, they believe that, and, and credit to the staff for bouncing back from that Seattle game, which was just a disaster. Uh, and I, I think 
what would make me feel like, okay, the Jags have found a little something, uh, well, one would be another win, but two would be the offense. That's why it doesn't feel that. And James Robinson's been out, so there, there's a good excuse there. But their last two weeks on offense, Austin, have just been really, I mean, below average. No, and and so I have a hard time in today's NFL buying into a team that might be, quote, surging when they've scored one touchdown in two weeks. And let's be honest, it was kind of a garbage touchdown against Seattle. No, for sure. And it's hard to take a Colts defense seriously who, you know, you might have some respect for when they give up 30 points to Josh Johnson and three touchdowns. But uh, I, I truly think, like, you know, this is going to be another test for the Jacksonville Jaguars here against the Colts because they do have some good players um, on their defense. I think they're kind of spearheaded by their defensive line. Uh, you know, whether it's young guys, Quiddy Pay, uh, who's starting to make a name for himself yeah. a little bit, or they have experienced guys as well. Um, yeah, Darius Leonard's great. Yeah, Darius Leonard's great as well. But I think, you know, the Colts are coming off of a game where they should have blew out the, the New York Jets. Uh, and it didn't qu quite transpire like that. And anytime you have one of those games where you give up 30 points to New York Jets and a, and a backup backup quarterback at home, that's embarrassing. That's when you kind of got to, you know, rally the horses together and say, yes, we can't do this again. I mean, you saw the same thing kind of happen against the Seattle Seahawks that when you, you let a guy in Geno Smith kind of tear you apart a little bit, well, what happened next week against the Buffalo Bills? They, they, they circled the wagons, they got everything together, and they were going to be embarrassed two weeks in a row. The same thing can be said now for this Colts team who just got embarrassed by Josh Johnson. So I guarantee the, the, the biggest talking point right now in that defensive meeting room for the Annapolis Colts is we are not going to let a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence come in here and beat us. There's no way. We can't allow it. Uh, Casey, let me ask you this because I, I hear what you're saying. I think that's a bit of a narrative going around about like what the Jets did. They scored 20 points in the second half, 14 of them in the fourth quarter, and they even moved the ball and got in a position again, I think, even without scoring in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, I think it was a late pick. Uh, so, but guys, I got to be honest with you. Like, I watched that game, and I just never felt like, like, the Jets and Josh Johnson are, like, getting back in this game. I just felt like that was the ultimate garbage time, and the Colts were, like, already – they were already home, so maybe they are already back into their, their you know, their bed, <laughs> you know, and, and hit the showers early. That's the way I felt. I felt a little bit about that Jets performance in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, going up and down the field with Josh Johnson, like I did about the Jags being good on defense against Seattle in the second half. And I'm like, wait a minute now. How good were they really on defense when they allowed, like, 70 yards of defense? I mean, what was Seattle trying to do uh, is, is my mentality there. Well, the Jags kind of rallied around that a little bit, and they played pretty well on defense last week. So now you put the two that half together plus this four quarters together, it looks pretty good. So I guess it's fair to wonder, is this Colts defense going to give up a ton of yardage Sunday? But... Casey, that's why I brought you in. I'm like, I don't like Austin saying the right thing. I think that's a narrative a lot of people have. It's like, they gave up a ton of yards. I mean, Josh Johnson, they let him do it. Did you look at that as just garbage time yards and points, or did you look at that like, man, the Colts can't stop anybody? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say for sure because I wasn't, you know, keeping track of who was on the field. Like, was Darius Leonard out there every snap? I don't know. Um, well, I think they kept everybody out. They, they didn't throw the JV team in. There, then, yeah, it's know. a problem. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let me ask you this question. If you're the Colts and you came in after that game, so let's say you came in, uh, might have been Sunday, I don't know, whatever, whatever you came in for that game, Friday, um, and you watched the film, 
And your defensive coordinator just goes, you gave up over 400 yards passing to Josh Johnson and Mike White. And you gave up four touchdowns total to those two guys. You think the guys in that locker room are pretty pumped to hear that stuff? Or you think they take no. that personally? You think, ah, oh, it was garbage time, it's all good. Or are they embarrassed that that actually happened? Yeah, I guess there's a level of embarrassment. Well, you would know better than me. I, I think there's a level of embarrassment, but I think, like, I think coaches and teams and, and athletes, in a way, spin it to a positive a lot of times. And I think the, what they would probably do is say, listen, the last 20 minutes, it was like 45 to 10. So, uh, you know, just disregard the last 20 minutes. We played really good football, and we turned them over. We did this for much of the game. Much like, again, the Jags were trying to talk us all into believing that, hey, uh, you know, first half was ugly against Seattle. That second half, man, we played really hard. We just didn't buy it, you know? I mean, but that's what they were trying to talk themselves into. So I would imagine, Austin, they'll – I don't know if they'll come out in this game and be like, we got something to prove because we can't let Trevor Lawrence do anything. I think they might come in and be like, listen, that's that final 20 minutes one who we are. You know, I mean, we, we don't do that. Like, that's that was just them trying to play catch-up when we're up by five touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. I think if Mike White and Josh Johnson throw for 400 yards on you, regardless of how much game is left, regardless of what the score is, I think you take that personally. Here's the deal. Uh, I will say this about the Colts. 16 points in the opener, 24, then 16, then 27, then 25, then 31, 30, 31, 45. You take the last four or five games, they're really scoring the football, uh, which means the Jags are going to have to look like Mike White and Josh Johnson on offense. They're going to have to score in this game. Uh, this is going to be a game. they got to get out in the upper 20s to win, I believe. Uh, and, and that's not a knock on their defense. Defense might still play okay. But this indie offense is looking pretty good right now. And, and they're putting up points. So And that's against everybody. Yeah. From the Jets to the Titans. Uh, Titans are playing good defense. They still gave up 31. You know, the 49ers, they gave up 30 in the rain. Uh, now, some of that might have been like a pick six or something. But uh, so... I think the I think the Jags are gonna have to score in this game is the point, and they they're season high through eight games. It's 23 points. That's not gonna cut it against the Indianapolis Colts, in my opinion. We'll be back. We're live at String Sports Brewery Reaction Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Well, we just have to see how the week continues to progress, and then you know we're we're assessing it every day, and you know right now we're planning on you know just doing our normal stuff and, and just kind of see during the week if we need to pull back on some things. That is Daryl Bevel. That is about as generic of a a, a soundbite as you could possibly get. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not uh, uh, letting us in on any secrets there uh, for the Jaguars' offensive coordinator and what they will do. I will appreciate his honesty, though. He said, uh, I guess he was asked, uh, do they look like they're getting somewhere on third downs or, or making progress? He was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. And the numbers don't lie. I mean, you know, I, again, Urban Meyer's been pretty transparent when they're good and when they're not so good. Uh, you know, he uses some of the same things over and over. I mean, that's the repetitive nature of the season and kind of some coach speak. But these guys don't really beat around the bush much. You know, I mean, they get they listen. We're not good on third downs. Listen, we're not good in big plays. Listen, we've invested a lot in special teams, but our special teams, uh, you know, the last week or so is is getting leaky mm-hmm. on kickoffs. So, like, I appreciate that stuff, Austin. I mean, that's pretty. I think the fans appreciate that too, and. I don't think it's calling players out. I think there's so much protection of players. I don't, it's just saying it how it is. I mean, he even said the third down stuff. Let's, sometimes it's the receivers dropping balls, and sometimes the quarterback. Like, 
No, there's who, who, blame this rookie quarterback, and yeah. well, why? Because sometimes it is his fault. There's no sense in sent, uh, insulting the fans' intelligence because that drives you crazy when there's like, yeah, I think we're getting better, and you're clearly not. So I appreciate the honesty. Sometimes honesty is the best policy. Did you see we have a little breaking news? Oh, Beckham we Jr. Do. has made a decision. I know it. We do have some breaking news. I was going to get on that. Uh, go ahead. Share the news. Odell Beckham Jr., according to Adam Schefter, blue verified checkmark and everything, is finalizing a deal with the Los Angeles Rams, per sources. Well, I guess that shouldn't surprise us. I am a little surprised, though. I am. Well, but why wouldn't their name be in the mix? They're willing to give up first-round draft picks for talent. You can get this guy right off the street. No, I'm not surprised that they're going after Odell Beckham Jr. I'm surprised Beckham Jr. wants to go to L.A. because you, Because you got a guy by the name of Cooper Cup right now who probably is the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, and you got a guy by the name of Robert Woods right now who's really starting to come on as a, a true two receiver. I don't know how Odell Beckham Jr. is going to fit in this offense. I mean, they're going to find a way for him. But, like, are you comfortable being the 2B or even being a 3 receiver? Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, those. I mean, Cooper Cup is the guy, like, without question. Uh, Woods, you said, has, has had some nice years and, and is a very productive guy. Probably I would put him in the underrated. On. Yeah, put him in the underrated category, right? I mean, a little underrated, kind of like we talk about. Uh, at Tyler Lockett's probably more productive and better, but I think those guys are underrated players on their teams mm-hmm. uh, because of the superstar nature of guys like Cup and the defense of L.A., but also D.K. Metcalf on the other side out in Seattle. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, Deshaun Jackson basically asked for a trade, not because I hate it here in L.A. and I hate the locker room and I hate you guys, just because, well, I'm not really getting on the field. Mm-hmm. Now, that might have been Deshaun's problem, but... He was frustrated with playing time. So to your point, you could see an Odell Beckham Jr. that might not be that enamored with how much time he gets. Yeah, that's it's exactly my point because they do have a capable running back in Daryl Henderson as well who's been getting the rock. So um, I, I'm truly surprised it was not the Green Bay Packers. I thought for sure that was going to be the lock. But you're going to a team that you have a good chance to win a Super Bowl. And I think that, that was the biggest decision for Beckham Jr. was going to a team that is obviously a Super Bowl contender. And right now the Rams, they got to be a favorite. Yeah, do you? This falls potentially in the category, Austin. Does does he help the Rams that much, or does he potentially break up whatever rhythm they have going on, uh, whatever they've got going on chemistry-wise? Like, is it more risky for the Rams to bring him in than it might be to help? I think you could yeah. ask that question in this situation. Uh, I mean, I think it's only going to help. I think McVeigh is going to find a way to utilize him. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think, you know, I mean, you had a guy in Van Jefferson who was really starting to come on as, as, as your third too. receiver. Uh, so now he's definitely taking a back seat. Yeah, I mean, it's, is it an upgrade for the Rams? Absolutely. Is it too many cooks in the kitchen? We'll see. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, it's an insurance policy at the very least if somebody gets hurt, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because now you got a guy. And, and again, we just don't know what Odell's got left. We're about to find out because if you can't be good with McVeigh and, and Matthew Stafford, <laughs> Well, guess what? You're probably not that good anymore. No. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're going surfing when we come back from Spring Sports Brewery in Springfield.